Good evening, everyone. Um, our reading is going to be from John 3, uh, verses 1 to 21, uh, which is on page 1065 in your pew Bibles, if anyone's interested. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees uh, named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ru ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born again when he is old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you, not, and do you not understand these things? I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven, except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world con to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly what, that what he has done has been done through God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, guys, good evening. Lovely to see you. I haven't been here for a few weeks. I've been away on a summer break, so it's good to be back. And we had a good time in Cornwall as a family. I don't know where you guys ended up. We ended up in Cornwall. And then we had two weeks back here, and Bex went into a let's declutter the house frenzy. Does anyone relate to that? It wasn't too bad. It was just uh, 12 hours a day for two weeks. So... Here we are, and it's great to be with you. And basically, I'm trying to find a Bible. I left my Bible over there. Has anyone got a Bible I can borrow? Uh, thank you. We're starting a new series tonight, and um, we're looking at conversations between Jesus and four people over the next four weeks from John's Gospel. And 
Basically, tonight, I just want to ask you three quick questions. And uh, we're trying as a church, really, to kick this academic year off, if you like, by just really concentrating our minds on who Jesus is. And so I've got three questions for you from this little conversation with Nicodemus. And the first is simply this. Are you still seeking? Are you still seeking Jesus, is the question. Now, when I was eight, yes, it was uh, a long time ago, um, one of my mum's friends came to the school where we were at, and she said um, to me and my twin sister, Laura, I've got a great birthday present for you, and I'd love you to come back to my house. I've got a great present. So we went to her house, and she said, your present is in the bottom drawer of that chest of drawers. And I thought, that's a bit strange. We went over, pulled it open. You guessed what was inside? Nine kittens. And she said, right, I want you just to pick one each. I subsequently discovered she hadn't asked my mum's permission, which is a bit of a nightmare. But anyway, she said, pick one each. And Laura, my twin sister, picked a white one. She called him Gemini. I picked a little girl one who was Ginger, and I called her Ginger. And she was about this big. And, uh, you know, I spent the first... Uh, weeks, months, just following this little kitten around her, trying to wake up in the morning, you know, trying to find her, seeking her out. And when I got back from school, I was seeking this little kitten out. And uh, that was really all I did for uh, a long time. So are you seeking Jesus? You see, Nicodemus, if you look at verses 1 and 2, is a seeker. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher who's come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. He's a Pharisee. That is a religious leader of the day who was very, very observant of the law, specialized in the law. He's a pretty elite Pharisee. He is a member of the Jewish ruling council. That's the Sanhedrin. And basically, he's intrigued by Jesus, absolutely intrigued by Jesus. And he comes to see Jesus at night. Now, there are many different theories on why he came at night. Some people think he actually wanted to have a lengthy conversation with Jesus. And so obviously, Jesus is quite busy during the day. So let's go at night when there's no one else around and they can have this long uh, conversation. Other people think maybe uh, he was a bit embarrassed to go and see Jesus and uh, be associated with him. And certainly that was my experience when uh, I uh, was starting to look into the Christian faith 20 years ago. I was slightly embarrassed about um, looking into the church or being seen at church or, or, or being seen with Christians. Uh, but actually, I think the best um, theory of the lot is that actually Nicodemus was very, very frightened. Uh, we know, don't we, that the Pharisees didn't have much time for Jesus. They actually subsequently organized his killing. And um, so basically, he is frightened. So he comes in the thick of night to see this person. He's intrigued by this person. He clearly thinks is from God because he's been doing some miraculous things. So as I kick off tonight, I just want to ask you, uh, are you still seeking Jesus? 
Are you still seeking Jesus? And uh, it could be you're sitting here tonight in all our services. We have people on the edge of faith who wouldn't describe themselves as Christians. Uh, We would love to help you if you are seeking Jesus. And to that end, we have a thing called an Alpha course starting at the beginning of October. Uh, It starts on the 6th of October, I think. And if you want to come along, you'd be very, very welcome. It's a basic course uh, looking at some uh, basic Christian uh, understanding and exploration of the faith. For someone like Nicodemus, like you, if you are on the edge, who just wants to just come quietly and explore the stuff. Um, but equally, you know, we're called, aren't we, not just to seek Jesus, but to seek others for Jesus. So I kind of want to expand this a bit and, and say, how's it going in the sense of how are you um, seeking um, out friends, family members who don't yet know Christ to, to actually uh, point him in the direction of God? How's it going? I loved what uh, the guy said, John and Lucy, um, uh, you know, about them just scanning um, uh, the people they come across to see who's open, who's open to God. Um, are you doing that? Am I doing that? It's worth just thinking about that uh, as we kick off this year. So question one, are you still seeking Jesus? Uh, if you are a bloodhound, let's imagine you're a dog and I'm a dog, you know, how much pull uh, is, on, uh, is on the lead in search of Jesus right now in your life? Uh, would, would you just be sitting there going, <laughs> Or or are you sort of really pulling in search of Jesus? Um, That's the first question. The second question I want to ask tonight, just from this conversation very briefly, is are you still astounded by Jesus? Have you been a Christian a while? Are you still intrigued and astounded by Jesus? Well, I didn't just, uh, with this little kitten, with Ginger, I didn't just seek her out and follow her around all day. I have to say, I was absolutely astounded by her. And, uh, you know, I don't know whether you've held a kitten. I haven't held a kitten for, I don't know, 35 years probably, uh, longer than that. But I can still just remember holding her. And those little bony, you know, the bit little bony paws and the, the sort of funny claws that are forming. And I'll never forget the time that Ginger licked my hands for the first time and It was like a little sandpaper. Oh, wow, that's cool. That's so cool. And um, I was just uh, astounded by her, amazed and perplexed by her. She could just literally, at home, we had these big curtains. She could climb up the curtains right to the top. used to drive my mum crazy. Then she'd just hang there and could go start, can't get her claws out. So we'd have to get ladders and she'd ruin the curtains. It's absolutely fantastic. But I was uh, astounded and uh, amazed, full of wonder with this little kitten. And um, actually, you know, you see this sense of wonder, this sense of perplexity, this sense of, oh my gosh, who are you, Jesus, in this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Of course, you know, as we think about God, there's a view out there, isn't there, that kind of God's dead in the Western world. We've kind of got done God. It's all a bit medieval and uh, we've moved on. We've become more sophisticated. God is powerless, uh, irrelevant. Uh, but actually, Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus just reminds us of a few truths. And the first thing uh, this conversation reminds us of is that God is phenomenally powerful. This is what Jesus says to Nicodemus. God is phenomenally powerful. Why? Because he alone can transform human life. 
He alone can transform uh, human life. You see, when you come into relationship with God, uh, it's a profound, extraordinary thing for you uh, and for me. I think this is verse 3. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. You get this sense of the grandeur of what happens when we come to faith, this extraordinary thing. Jesus says, actually, you have to be born again. It's like such a fundamental, such a radical, such an extraordinary, such a wonderful, such a perplexing thing. It's like actually being born uh, again. Now, I don't know how you feel about being born again. I didn't really like that idea. But a better translation, actually, is that you're born from above. This is a better translation of this sense of what uh, uh, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus. It's like a new birth. It's an extraordinary thing. Now, Nicodemus is clearly confused. Verse 4, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asks, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And thankfully, Jesus agrees with that uh, and uh, actually goes on to uh, explain that actually um, it's not about a a second physical birth. What God will do, this birth from above, is a spiritual birth. You know, we have different realms. There's the physical, the material, the spiritual. And Jesus is talking about the spiritual realities of what God is going on. He says actually God can rebirth someone spiritually from above. What's more, he says to Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus, you know, you uh, actually can't do this in your own strength. You know, Nicodemus, you uh, memorize large chunks of the Old Testament. Nicodemus, you, you are a player in the religious leadership of your day. Nicodemus, you know the law, you're an expert in the law, but actually, Nicodemus, this is something that you can't do. It's only something God can do. It's from above. It's not about your effort. It's not about your sincerity. It's not about your um, striving or straining. Actually, it's something that God does, verse five to six. Jesus answered, uh, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water, that refers to baptism, and the spirit, that refers to the infilling of the spirit who brings this new birth. Flesh gives birth to flesh, you see, Nicodemus, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. Shouldn't be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. So this is an extraordinary thing that you and I are caught up with when we come to faith, which can dim, which can recede, and which we can forget that actually something amazing has happened to us, this new spiritual birth when we come to Jesus. And actually, you know, if you want to have an exciting life, if you want to have a, an adventure of a life, if you want to lead a life of impact, actually, uh, you can't do that apart from God because God brings this spiritual rebirth and a whole realm of possibilities open up for you. It's quite an extraordinary thing. Jesus also says to Nicodemus, you know, Nicodemus, you have to remember that God is wild. You can't control him. He's powerful, and you can't domesticate him. 
You know, you, 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 Nicodemus, you've got all these laws, you've got your notebooks, you've got your files, you've got your iPad stuff going on. If we came to your house, you know, uh, your pens would be in the pot on the right-hand side of your desk. You'd have your highlighters lined up next to it. You'd have your little files, all sort of thing. Everything would be neat and tidy. But actually, Nicodemus, the thing is, you can't domesticate God. He's wild. He's actually like a, just a wild wind that goes wherever he wants to, verse 7 and 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases, you hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. This is an extraordinary thing we lose sight of. We just think God's not there half the time uh, as we follow him, or God's forgotten us half the time. But actually, he's here, he's active, he's doing extraordinary things. And actually, we can't control him. He's on the move. He's on the move in Syria. He's on the move actually down Guildford High Street. He's on the move in the bars this evening. He's working. He's living. He's active. Perhaps the most amazing thing, or yeah, let's call it amazing thing, Jesus makes clear to Nicodemus is that actually uh, he says to him, look, Nicodemus, you know, you can be very religious. You can be very, very devout. You can um, um, be very sincere You can actually have uh, all sorts of stuff going on in your life, but actually you can have absolutely no spiritual insight at the same time. Very intelligent, very devout, but no spiritual insight. Verse 9 to 13. How can this be, Nicodemus asked? You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know, we testify to what we've seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. It's quite a challenge to Nicodemus. That he's saying, Nicodemus, that you read the Old Testament, you've read all the passages about the Son of Man coming, uh, Daniel 6, 7, read it. Uh, you know these things, and yet here I am, and you're not recognizing who I am. You, you are learned, you are bright, but you have no spiritual insight. I'm here, I am the Son of Man. I'm not coming on clouds, I'm here talking to you. In the flesh, I'm here. So this is an extraordinary conversation, if you like. And as we think about this, uh, are we still astounded and amazed by Jesus? It's just worth asking ourselves those sorts of questions. Have we forgotten just how powerful God is? Just phenomenally powerful. Have you forgotten how actually only he can make uh, life really, really exciting? Only he can transform you and I. Have you forgotten, actually, you know, in your attempt, in my attempt to, like, order our little worlds and do all this sort of stuff, that actually God can't be controlled. He smiles at our little highlighters and pens, and it partly breaks his heart as well. So are you, secondly, I want to suggest, still in awe of God, in wonder of God, as we start this new term, as we start this new year? You know, we stop seeking often. We stop actually uh, being astounded, don't we? That's certainly my experience. It happens to me all the time. So I'm not sort of being um, judgmental here, if you like. So are you ready for question three? Finally, question three. Are you still responding? Are you still responding to Jesus? Well, 
Ginger kind of, the wonder dimmed and faded. I got used to this cat, and actually she became a bit of a pain to me. Because, you know, you have to do the cat litter thing. It's just not worth doing. Um, and she used to dig up the garden, you know. I had to go and repair it. And then, you never guess what happened to Ginger. I woke up one morning, and she'd left. And I never saw her again. Uh, I'd start responding to her uh, actually months before. She just became a pain. Her presence in my life was annoying. And quite frankly, when my mum said, I've got some terrible news, Ginger's gone. I thought, good. <laughs> but we can actually stop responding to God. And we can stop losing that openness, that sort of attentiveness, that engagement with God. So uh, how do you know if you're still responding? Well, people who respond to God continue to trust him and look to him. They continue to trust him and look to him. Verses 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. What on earth is Jesus talking about? The Son of Man being lifted up, snakes in the desert. You'll know what he's talking about. The people of uh, Israel, they had been grumbling against Moses. Read Numbers 21. And um, as a result, God sent snakes into the camp. And uh, I don't know how you feel about snakes. I hate snakes. One was in my garden this afternoon, would you believe, a big one. And uh, I was like, ooh. And uh, what happened, lots of people... Um, died, and then what Moses did, you'll recall, he got a staff, a sort of stick, he made a bronze snake, and he held it up high, and he said to the people, for goodness sake, look at the bronze snake, and if you look, you'll live, you'll, you, you won't perish, you'll live, your life will endure. And so everyone, I mean, if I was there, you wouldn't be sort of, oh, I can't be bothered, you'd be looking at the snake, wouldn't you? You'd be looking at the snake, and you'd find life, your life would be saved. Jesus actually is saying, you know, if you want to find life, Nicodemus, you have to look to me. I'm going to be lifted high. It's a, it's a veiled reference, actually, to the cross and his crucifixion. And uh, actually, when you look to me, when you come to me, and when I'm lifted high, I actually uh, am going to give people uh, life, that everyone who believes in me may have eternal life. So... People who respond to Jesus, I suggest, keep looking to him and trusting him. And again, that can go out the window, can't it? I've been months without really looking to Jesus in that way or really trusting him in any meaningful way. I also want to suggest that people who respond to Jesus actually, and this is a real key, knows that he really loves them in the in the ups and downs of life, at school, at university, with family, with children, uh, retirement, grandchildren, all the, in the ups and downs of life, there'll be knocks, there'll be challenges, there'll be difficulties, there'll be great joys, of course, too. But actually, we need to know that God loves us. And this is so, so important, verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he's not believed in the name of God's one 
and only son. God loved the world. He came to save the world, not to condemn it. He's come. Why has he come? Because he loves us. He loves you. He loves me. And uh, he's done everything on the cross to open up this life, this new life, this spiritual new life and birth to us. And uh, it's about him, not about us. Uh, Even when we fail, he loves us. Even when we make real mistakes, he loves us. We can't strive and strain and be good little Jesus people. Actually, he's done it all. That's why we can be celebrate uh, and not strive. So do you know that Jesus loves you? That is a key to responding to someone. If you think he's not really interested in you or out to get you or has really let you down, quite frankly, you're not going to give him any attention in real terms, are you? So it's important we know the love of God as we think about responding to him. Finally, I suggest people who respond to Jesus actually uh, choose him and choose to live differently. This basically is the last little section, 19 onwards. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so it may be seen plainly that what he's done has been done through God. Talk of evil is a bit full on, but it's the reality, isn't it? And I don't know about you, I've felt over the last period here in this country, you kind of glimpse uh, realities of evil. You know, the Jimmy Savile, Rotherham, the police lying about Hillsborough. That's not a dig at the police. I love the police. I think they're amazing. But there's been lots of stuff. ISIS, there's recent uh, stuff that's happening with all the refugees. I mean, people being washed up, three-year-olds being washed up on a beach. I mean, this is not uh, good at all. But we need to be people who actually choose, uh, if we're to be responsive to Jesus, to choose the light day in, day out, day in, day out. Is it just me who feels the lure of darkness every day? Is it me who sometimes just uh, forgets to do that? Of course it's not. You know, after the last service, so many people came up to me and said, gosh, I, 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 it's so good to hear about choosing the light. I find myself in the darkness all the time. But people who respond to Christ actually live in the light uh, through his power, the power of the Spirit, who uh, enables us to come into this relationship with Jesus, have this new birth, Uh, this Jesus who is the light of the world. So I wanted just to kick off, I don't know whether this has been helpful or not, but are you seeking Jesus at this point in your life? Are you seeking him? Are you still astounded and amazed by him or have you got a bit jaded or, uh, I don't know, has an Xbox or whatever it is, the new house extension become more interesting? And are you still responding This is really, really important. You're still looking to him. You still know that he loves you and you're still choosing him. It's so, so important because what he wants to do, his heart for you, his desire for you is actually to lead you into life. This is why it's so important. So important for us as a church, as we seek to be a church that actually opens our, our, our our doors and engages with the community and actually speaks about the remarkable things of Jesus. It's the only way, actually, we can do that if we are seeking him, excited by him, and actually responding to him. Amen.